the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. We are an iHeart station, and uh, we also are worldwide on the web. You can reach me 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time, at drbillradiomd.com. And just click Listen Live, or you can go to the station, am860theanswer.com, or also theanswertampa.com, I believe. Is that right, Joe? You got it exactly right. We are theanswertampa.com. Wow. I can't believe I remembered that. This is Talk Radio Interactive, so if you want to join me, I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. By the way, we've got a a new man joining the show, a new uh, uh, producer. His name is Ken Zaire. I think I pronounced it right. Zaire. Zaire. Ken, welcome to the show. Ken apparently, or his grandfather apparently snuck in here from Canada, so he's the grandchild of an illegal immigrant. And uh, so we won't hold that against him because it wasn't his fault, but if he makes any mistakes, that's going to be the first thing we think of. So you stay sharp, Ken. You hear me? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Doc. Good to be with you. All right. All right. Good man. All right, well, before I get into the news of the week and my take on a few things, I wanted to mention a little bit about thyroid disease. One of my patients came in, and he had some blood work done at the VA, and he said, oh, look, I've got all this blood work. It's much more extensive than any blood work you've done, Doc, and it it was three pages, basically the same thing. It was hardly anything, but he did have... uh, He's on thyroid replacement hormone, and he did have a low thyroid stimulating hormone, which is expected when you are normal, uh, when you're on thyroid hormone and your hormone levels are normal in your body. Now, thyroid hormone that we give is basically the exact same thing that your body makes, but when you lose the ability to make thyroid hormone for a number of reasons, then it has to be replaced because that's like an essential uh, uh, hormone in the body. That's what gets the, uh, the little engines inside of the cells going, revs them up and makes them use the blood sugar that is the fuel. So at any rate, he said, well, look, my TSH is low. And my doctor said that you may need to adjust my medications because they're teaching the young doctors and nurse practitioners nowadays that 
A low TSH means that you have too much thyroid hormone on board. When we look for high thyroid, we look for an excess of the free hormones, the free T3 and the free T4, which are more accurate measurements of high or overactive thyroid gland. So you can have a low underactive gland and a high overactive gland. Now, when you have a low gland, then you get lethargic and you can put on some weight and get some edema, uh, all kinds of problems, depression, uh, emotional problems, constipation, appetite changes, cold intolerance, dry skin, hair loss, sleepiness, muscle and, and joint aches and pains. Uh, it can affect basically any and every system of the body because thyroid hormone is so necessary to almost every cell in the body. It is the, uh, if you know anything about engines, it's the carburetor. So, uh, in, or it's the spark plug, plug rather. Insulin is the carburetor that gets the sugar into the cells. And then the spark plug is the thyroid hormone. And then the, the uh, governors, the things that rev it up and down will be things like testosterone and estrogen and the, all the sex hormones and also cortisone and different things in the body. So when you do have symptoms of hypothyroidism, you want your doctor to check a TSH as well as your thyroid hormone levels because the TSH will go up. And you say, well, that doesn't make any sense, doc. Well, it's a, it's a feedback mechanism so that when you have too much thyroid hormone or enough thyroid hormone, then your TSH, which is the, the, the master hormone that drives the thyroid gland, that will go down. And then when you don't have enough thyroid hormone, if, if, you're, if your pituitary gland is functioning normally, your TSH's levels will rise to stimulate your thyroid gland to secrete more. So you, you have to get your doctor to do the appropriate, the right testing. So if he says, well, your TSH is too low and therefore you're hyperthyroid, you say, well, wait a minute, let's check a free T3 and a free T4 and let's take a look because... Dr. Bill says that that, they may, that may not be true. If I'm on thyroid hormone, it may be normal for the TSH to be low. And at the other end, if your TSH is high and your doctor says, well, well your T4 is okay, say, well, I want a free T3 anyway. I want to see what it is. And if they're low normal or a little bit low, then you're probably going to need some replacement. So it's important not that you understand all of the thyroid tests, but that you make your doctor do the appropriate testing. And if you're not sure, go see an endocrinologist if you're having questions about that, or you can always come see me. Uh, but I think that's important for people to understand that the thyroid testing that we do and the way that it is interpreted at this point in, in uh, the medical uh, uh, history, the medical uh, the way doctors are looking at things, the young doctors, is, is that you have to be really circumspect and you have to really challenge them. And thyroid disease is very ubiquitous. It's a very common problem. So uh, we need to be careful when we're looking at that, uh, not only for the doctors, but for the patients to challenge their doctors to order the appropriate testing. So uh, thyroid hormone levels alone are not that accurate. You have to get the free thyroid hormone levels, the free T3 and the free T4 to get real accurate levels of how much circulating thyroid hormone you have inside of your body. And you have to get the thyroid stimulating hormone, which generally when it's too high means that you're low on thyroid. 
but it can mean if it's really low and you're not on any thyroid hormone, it can mean that your thyroid is overactive. So those are, I, I know it's kind of tough to understand and I, I won't put it on the quiz, but I do want you to remember that when you go to see your doctor and uh, make sure that you get the appropriate testing. It's it's so vital, especially if you need to be on thyroid hormone or if you need to be on something to suppress your thyroid from being over overactive can have uh, tremendous ramifications, both at the high and the low end. So that's my take on that. Now, I uh, I want to shift gears to the economy. I, I heard the former CEO of McDonald's. Uh, his name is Ed Rinsey, R-I-N-S-I. He's a former CEO, and uh, he was talking about the economy, and and the uh, the host, the moderator of the show, was was saying that he was concerned about the drop in consumer confidence, which is an index of economic activity that's measured by the University of Michigan, and it's widely uh, referred to and cited by economists and pundits and the uh, uh, the moderator, the MC of the show was saying that he was afraid that the negative press about the economy coming from the liberal press and from economists who may not like the the policies of, of this current presidential regime, that it would scare people and the consumer confidence would drop just on the emotions of there being a potential fall in the economy. And Ed Renzi was saying this, this is nonsense. And he said, I quote, I've been belly to belly with the consumer all of my career, end quote. And he has, I mean, he was chairman and CEO of, of uh, McDonald's, uh, which of course is one of the largest retail uh, food chains in the world and is in constant contact with consumers everywhere. And he points out that, and he likes this as his index of economic activity, the uh, restaurant sales. And he said that they're up two to 7% throughout the entire uh, large chain industry, the food industry, the McDonald's, the Hardee's, the Burger Kings, the Taco Bells, all their sales are up. Why? Because people have discretionary income. When the economy tanks, uh, you, you tend to pull back and not spend money needlessly. And if you can feed your family or yourself cheaper at home, which, by the way, is not all that easy, I'll tell you, a lot of times it's cheaper for me if the wife is gone and, and the house is empty. If I just run up to Publix and get one of the little pre-boxed meals or uh, get get something out of the deli there, it's a lot cheaper than if I buy a package of this, a package of that, and a package of that, and try and cook a meal for myself, and then end up wasting half of it, and spending 15 to 20 bucks, when for five bucks I can get uh, some something essentially that's a fast food that's already made like a sandwich, and uh, throw on a pot of tea, or have some water, and I'm happy. Uh, eat some junk food, and there you go. I'm done with dinner. But I think that it is a good reflection, and I've noted this too. The, the wife and I have talked about this when we've gone into restaurants. Uh, we used to frequent the macaroni grill a lot, and when the recession hit, we'd go in there, and the place was empty. And we wondered if they were going to stay in business. So I think that uh, 
Ed Renzi is right that a good indicator of economic activity is the increase in, in sales at the fast food chains and that uh, a lot of the negativity about the economy is um, hyperbole, it's made up or it's exaggerated. Now, I, I read an article by a, a woman who is working with a group that purportedly does international consulting on economic issues. And uh, her point was that the steel tariffs are going to decrease the number of jobs, that there's going to be a job loss from this. And I tried to figure out where they came up with this data. Uh, there's an, an institute that she works for, and uh, it's uh, it sounds like a liberal institution, although I don't know because I can't find any information on, on the woman that is the uh, CEO of this company. She says that the increased tariffs on steel and aluminum cost us jobs, and she cites the increase in tariffs on steel that came in under President George Bush. And she said that the Great Recession, that's what they call the recession in the 2000s. Uh, I don't know if it was any greater than, and I, I actually I've looked at the data, and the 70s had a worse economic record than the 2000s, the 1970s. So I, I'm not sure that it's the greatest recession since the Great Depression. But at least Obama popularized it as such. And she blames Bush. She says that the tariffs preceded the, the uh, big fall in the economy and that it was in part because of Bush's tariffs on steel. Well, this is all news to me. Uh, the, the majority of economists have quoted the sub the subprime mortgage industry is the cause that uh, that people were making loans on thin air and that eventually it all collapsed. It was a house of cards. I don't think that the steel tariffs had much of an effect. And I can't see that there's been the job loss that purportedly will come with increased steel tariffs. Now, we, we've brought back a lot of domestic steel making and the prices have gone up a little bit. And I heard another pundit on one of the news shows. He is a reporter for the New York Times, and he has written a book on the effects of the Trump economy. And he says that the cost of steel is driving down auto sales. Well, I looked at auto sales, and you know what? They're holding steady. In July, there were 16,000 cars uh, sold, new cars. And so if you think that we're dropping off in auto sales. I don't see it. I can't figure out how they have come to that conclusion. Uh, I don't know if people are, are actually looking at any data or if they're just uh, pulling all of this out of thin air. And I, I don't think that we're doing anybody any benefit by trying to pretend that the economy is tanking. It's not. It just is not. Now, the the uh, total vehicle sales between 2010 and 2020 have uh, held steady or risen. We've had dips. We had a dip in the early 1980s. And, of course, we had a big dip during the Great Recession. 
But after that, uh, sales have gone up and they've actually kind of leveled off pretty high right now. 16,000 new cars in July alone. I mean, you would think that the market would be glutted at this point, but it's not. It is not. I mean, there's still a demand. And I think that it's a, a, a real positive sign that the economy is continuing to remain stable. Now, I, I had a conversation briefly with one of the saleswomen in, in China that I'm buying stuff from for the pharmaceutical side of the, of the Handelman Industries. And uh, I said, pray for the, for the protesters in Hong Kong. And she said, pray for the protesters. She said, pray for the police. So she's backing her government because she thinks that the protesters in Hong Kong, and she lives in, in mainland China, just across from the peninsula, the Hong Kong Peninsula, uh, she feels that the government is doing the right thing and that the protesters are on the wrong side of everything. And you know, I reminded her that freedom and free enterprise went hand in hand. And so we had a little brief uh, intellectual back and forth, and it, it wasn't hostile. And talked a little bit about the, the, the tariffs, the trade war between China and the United States. And she commented that it would hurt both China and the United States. And I said, it really is not going to hurt us as much as it's going to hurt China. We're just so uh, capable of being completely independent of the world, although we don't want to be. We want to interact with the world. Trade is what brings peace and prosperity to everybody. It's what spreads democracy it's what spreads our our ideals and not the ideals of a liberal democracy where you basically have a, a one-party state and everybody can vote, but you, you vote for the socialists. We don't want that. Uh, we, we want to maintain some nationalism because it gives a distinction between countries. It promotes good, healthy competition, and it, it ensures that there's a check and balance and that there is some fairness. And, you know, this this move towards a pseudo multi-party liberal state that spreads some ideals of democracy, but but not the checks and balances that come with our system, actually promotes more conflict. And I'll, I'll get into that later, but uh, I think that it, if we have a country that is well-defined and is strong and is economically secure, we're going to be a better partner. I mean, think of a marriage. If you have two people who are relatively equal in their emotions and their economic status and their intellectual abilities, uh, they're going to have a happier, healthier marriage because they're going to be able to share more equally. And whether you divide the, the duties in a marriage up to where dad goes to work and makes some money and mom does more of the domestic, or if you do it the opposite way, or if you're both working and you both share household responsibilities, if there's a, a balance there, if there's an equality there, you're going to have a happier marriage. And it's going to be the same with trading partners. As I've said before, all relationships have the same basic principles, all relationships. Some are a little more intimate, some are more business, some are a little bit more uh, structured than others. Uh, some require that you write things down so you don't get confused. You can call it an agreement or a contract or whatever. Uh, but it, it's, it's healthy if we're all working out of a position of strength. If we're dealing 
with each other with a complement of assets that will add to the relationship, not only to our side of it, but also to the other side. And we can't do that if we're in a position of weakness or flux or uh, uh, overly dependent on on our partner. And I think many of you will realize this in marriage. If you have a partner who is overly dependent on you, or if you find yourself overly dependent on your partner, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable situation after a while. Most people don't like that. They don't feel comfortable when they feel like they're constantly responsible for somebody else. And that doesn't mean that in a marriage that you shouldn't feel that responsibility for each other. You should, but it should be overlapping circles. The circles should not be one on top of the other. Uh, then you lose all of your self-identity and then it gets all mishmash, boundaries disappear. So, you know, good fences make good neighbors and it doesn't matter whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in an international relationship, whether it's between the city and the county. And we need this. We need these checks and balances. So I think a lot of this nonsense about the economy tanking because of tariffs or trade wars, uh, it's just, it's utter baloney. And I heard another one of the pundits say that the United States is trying to go it alone against uh, China, that we're the only ones who are imposing uh, uh, tariffs and restrictions. And I don't think that's true. In addition, if the United States and Mexico and Canada would all agree to uh, ratify this new trade agreement, part of that trade agreement is to pull the three of us together so that not only will the United States impose tariffs, but Mexico and Canada will also have to impose tariffs on Chinese imports at commensurate levels. And that would give us even more power because we'd go from, what, 320 or 40 million to over a half a billion people strong. You know, as I've said before, Mexico's a big country. It's uh, 150 million people plus. And then Canada's got 20, 25, 30 up there, probably up to about 35 million now. So, you know, we'd, we'd have a, a good little uh, uh, group here, a good little compact between the United States, Canada, and Mexico. This is another reason to get these things ratified by our Congress and also by the Canadian Parliament and the Mexican Congress and get this in, in place. And even though there's some debate with the Mexicans about the increase in uh, tariffs on imports of steel and aluminum, we can work that out. And I think that if the president and his people back off of that somewhat, Mexico will gladly come into it. And I think that the Mexicans will benefit because they're a source of cheaper labor for some goods that we can use. Now, in some areas, the agreement calls for parity like in, in uh automobile manufacturing, that there has to be parity in wages. So if a peso is worth 10 cents in the United States and we're paying $10 an hour, then you got to pay 100 pesos to your worker for this, the same or comparable work in your country if, if it's related to the manufacture of an automobile. Otherwise, there'll be tariffs on the goods that come from Mexico into the United States or Canada and vice versa. And that's a little bit complex but it's a way of forcing the wage scale up in Mexico and perhaps uh, bringing it down a little bit in the United States and Canada. We don't want it to fall too much, and I don't see that happening, 
but I do think that if we push it up in Mexico, we'll also have a stronger trading partner, more affluent country. Everybody's doing better worldwide, but we want everybody to do even better than better, especially our neighbors. We want healthy partners. We want equal partners. Now, no, you can't be equal when you're uh, half the population or a third or a tenth the population of the United States. The equality is not going to be the same, but you can certainly have within the boundaries of those expectations an equal partnership with your neighbors and at the same time maintain borders. And we want a prosperous Mexico because then there'll be less reason for and there's already been, already been a big drop in the number of illegal immigrants coming, Mexicans coming from Mexico to the United States. What we're seeing now is Central Americans coming up through Mexico. So we want a prosperous, healthy, productive trading partner in Mexico. And the president may have to back off a little bit on uh, demanding increase in tariffs on steel and aluminum manufactured in Mexico. We may have to make some concessions there in order to pull the three of us lock arms together so that we can face these Chinese uh, cheap imports with joint tariffs that sends an even stronger message to the Chinese. And believe me, the Chinese are going to have a harder time than we are. And as my cohort who I was talking to uh, in China yesterday said, uh, ultimately, it hurts the little people. Well, it hurts the little people more in China because their economy is much more fragile than ours. They're still growing, and even though they have a tremendous economy, second largest in the world, a small drop is a big deal. And the people are watching. You know, that's one of the barometers of whether or not they, they will abide the Communist Party and President Xi, whether they will put up with that. Now, they don't know a whole lot because there hasn't been a whole lot of information available to them about freedom and the way freedom works in, in the United States in particular and in the Western world in general. But they're getting there. They've got a lot more information than they had 30 years ago. And uh, as I shared with you guys before, one of my friends who is from China, anesthesiologist at the hospital, he got out 30 years ago, and he was listening to uh, Radio Free China or Air America or whatever our uh, radio broadcast was called back then into China. And uh, he said that his neighbors tolerated that and did not turn him into the Communist Party, but that 20 or 30 years before that, he certainly would have gone to jail. And he said, I'm leaving. And they said, why? And he said, well, you know, after listening to these broadcasts from the United States, obviously they're way ahead of us. And his, his take is that democracy is inevitable in China. And I say that free trade and democracy have to go hand in hand. And that the United States needs to keep pushing and doing what it's doing because it's nudging the Chinese into more tolerance, the Chinese Communist Party. It's opening up the country. And if trade war is what it takes, well, then that's what it takes. And you know what? I don't think that the trade war has made that much difference 
in the cost of goods in the United States. And I think this nonsense that I'm hearing on the radio, and you probably have heard this too, Joe, that that the pundits are saying, well, all of the retail industries are, are scared with the Christmas season coming up that they're going to have a bad Christmas season. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard anybody say that they're scared to death. And, you know, most of the of the big box companies, they make their they put their orders in six months in advance. So they've already locked in the prices. It's like futures prices. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where they come up with this, if they just pull it out of thin air or if some economist says, well, this has the potential for pushing up the, the cost of uh, uh, we or uh, or an iPhone by $10 or $20. And when you're paying, what, $1,500 for a cell phone, what's 10 or 20 bucks? I don't think anybody's going to uh, blink an eye about that. And when, when people are walking around with an extra 1500 minimum in their pockets a year, the discretionary spending is going to be loose. And they're going to say, well, you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm about, so I have to pay 5% more for goods this year. I've, I've got an extra bonus of 10%. So I'm still ahead of the game. And I think that it's important for us to remember that, especially when we're dealing with uh, uh, criticism that is unfounded, that has uh, a lot of speculative and pseudo-speculative information in there, and that does not really reveal the whole truth of the situation. And I may be wrong about that. I don't know, Joe, what do you think? Do you think that there's a, a lot of BS going on about the economy? I don't see it collapsing. Well, well I mean, you know, it, it could be it, it could it could be that the analysis is um, is genuine. It could be that the people that are making these claims believe what they are saying, but I certainly can, cannot independently discount, also because I have a lot of you know uh, knowledge and experience, you know, viewing these sorts of things. That it could be that the people that are saying these things—it's kind of like polling data. It's supposed to reflect um, viewpoints, but ultimately, the goal of a lot of polling data that gets released is to impact public opinion as opposed to revealing oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, and I think it's that, influential. Exactly, and I think that that's a lot of what's going on here. That if you keep talking about, well, there's a you know, there's a there's a possibility that this could turn, uh, you know, for the for the worse, and this bad thing can happen. Well, yeah, sure, anything could happen. You know, a a, a a airplane can fall out of the sky and crush your house at any given time. Doesn't mean that it's going to, but there's nothing, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, you can say, uh, well, you know, we're just saying that anything bad could happen. But if everybody in every network and every newspaper writer is all speculating the same thing based on really nothing more than that they want it to be that way because they think it can be an electoral advantage for them because they all um you know don't like the current administration well i mean you, you, unfortunately we exist in a climate where you can't really deny that that's a possibility yeah and uh, even if they believe that it's uh you know that there's some uh fact and reality to these claims by some economist or that they've taken something that was said uh as uh as a a possibility but an improbability and they've run with it then still you come out with the same thing which is an attempt to uh, uh, scare people and to, uh, uh, to make a big deal out of something that really isn't that big deal to, you know, to make it uh, real, uh, explosive and an expose kind of thing. And, and I, I think that that, 
uh, is unnecessary and, and that it scares people. And that's why consumer confidence may have dropped a little bit. But I don't think that it's really that big of a deal. I think we're going to be just fine. I don't think these tariffs have really added hardly anything, maybe pennies to a hamburger cost. And we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We're doing great. I don't see any uh, economic indicators that show that we're going down. Uh, everything's looking pretty positive from what I can tell. Well, and not only that, but there is always going to be a committed group of entrepreneurially minded individuals that will see an opportunity in every potentially negative consequence that that is forecasted on the horizon. So, okay, if there's an economic downturn, there's going to be people ready to take advantage of that. And the real world factors at play are really what's going to determine whether or not there's growth or there's not growth. Um, so this is all going to work itself out. I mean, if the, if the economy really is poor, it's going to cause it's that's going to show over you know over a period of time if people literally don't have the capability or the capital or the wherewithal or it's not the right you know time to make big investments. But the thing that we saw in the previous you know eight years prior to Trump coming along is that there was all this capital sitting on the sidelines, not being invested because there was no incentive to invest anything. Well, if yeah. if those roadblocks have that's been right. removed and in large part they have then this whole thing is going to work itself out regardless of what, you know, the punditocracy thinks or wants to have happen. Oh, I agree. I agree. Well, let's grab a cup of Joe, Joe, and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Insight, passion, AM 860, The Answer. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Lawmen in Texas still trying to figure out why exactly a gunman went on a rampage in Odessa and Midland yesterday. He killed at least five people and injured 21 before police shot him dead in a movie theater parking lot. An already dangerous Hurricane Dorian has intensified today to Category 5 as it closes in on the northern Bahamas, threatening to batter the islands with Category 5 strength winds, pounding waves, and torrential rains. It'll probably get to the U.S. sometime late tomorrow, early Tuesday, but what it will do, it's unclear. Forecast tracks now indicate it may not make landfall, but move along the coast. It'll still be dangerous, and warnings are out. The U.S. and China have gone ahead with their latest tariff increases on each other's goods, potentially raising prices that Americans and Chinese pay for clothing, shoes, sporting goods, and other consumer items. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. 
Most insurance plans accepted, and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments, so call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Um, excuse me. Yes. In case you haven't noticed, advertising has changed over the years. What? It used to be customers could find or discover your business in just a handful of ways. Now, life is digital with so many more options and things you need to do. You need Salem Surround, a full-service digital agency with all your digital marketing under one roof. When a potential customer searches for your product, do they find your business or the competition? Is your business's contact information accurate and everywhere it should be to reach today's digital consumer? Does your website have all the right tools to turn visitors into leads? If not, we've got some solutions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to help get your message in front of today's digital audience. We'll help deliver customers by putting your business message in the right place at the right time. Don't just invest in a marketing strategy. You need to surround your target audience. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. Captain Matt here for Freedom Boat Club, where the numbers tell the story. With one of the largest fleets of any Freedom Boat Club in the country, you'll have access to 430 boats with six different types of watercraft, including center consoles, deck boats, and skiffs. Enjoy privileges at 26 ports with two more on the way at 185 locations in the U.S. and Canada. The numbers are always in your favor at FreedomBoatClubTampaBay.com. That's FreedomBoatClubTampaBay.com or call 855-FREEDOM. That's 855-FREEDOM and tell them the captain sent you. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Intervals of clouds and sunshine today. Couple of showers and a thunderstorm this afternoon. High 92. Partly cloudy tonight. Shower or thunderstorm early this evening. Followed by areas of low clouds. Low 79. Cloudy for Monday. Couple of showers and a thunderstorm. Breezy with a high of 91. That is your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Maddie Baggett for AM860. The answer. Just give me something. Something I can Yes, they do. They love that dirty laundry. I'm back. I'm Dr. Bill, and you're on the show with me. I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. If you want to join the conversation, let me know. Uh, I was reading an article by, let's see who this is. This is some thoughtful man named John Mearsheimer. Mearsheimer. I like that name. That's pretty cool. And his article is called The Great Delusion, Liberal Dreams and International Realities. And one of the points he makes is that uh, that nationalism is a, a powerful political ideology, and it revolves around uh, the division of the world into states with distinct cultures, and that the influence of nationalism often undercuts a liberal foreign policy. And the liberal foreign policy is largely the intelligentsia. Uh, the uh, the little in crowd, the inside the Washington Belt people, and nationalism places great emphasis on self determination, uh, and that's what most people want. They want that ability to, to determine their own destiny, and that's partly what uh, was in our Declaration of Independence and what was in the minds of the founding fathers. And so, to resist a liberal power's uh, efforts to interfere in domestic policies. Uh, which is what the liberals want to do. Uh, they want a worldwide socialist state. Uh, 
uh, is going to be counter to what a lot of people want in their own country. And that doesn't mean if you're a nationalist that you don't care about the world or that you don't want to interact with the world. I mean, that's that's silly. That's craziness. It just means that you have a profound respect for the culture and the boundaries that you have grown up in and live within. And, and you should have that. We should all feel good about our home country. It was like uh, the uh, woman in China I was talking to yesterday. You know, she believes in her government. She's be- behind the government. Uh, the government to her has been doing the right thing in Hong Kong. They've been doing the, the, the right thing and resisting the demonstrations, even though to us it seems to be, and I would think it is the wrong thing, that we want to see democracy spread throughout the world, and especially in China, which is a, a one-party system. Basically, it's fascism, but it's a populist fascism that is bringing their economy up. But we still want to see an openness and a freedom uh, and an ability for more than one opinion to exist in in countries like China. But that doesn't mean that we're not for our own country. It's, you know, it's kind of like saying you you hope that your neighbor's happy and he's doing well, but you got a fence up so that his dog doesn't come over and poop in your yard. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that that's just common sense. If he wants a dog uh, and more power to him, I'm, have two neighbors with dogs on both sides. I love their dogs. And every time I see them, I say hello to the dogs and the dogs like me, but we have a fence. And so I don't have to clean up their poop. And that's, that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm uh, anti-neighbor because I'm pro Dr. Bill in his own yard. And it's the same thing with nationalism. So we need to get over this nonsense of of the left saying that nationalism is a bad and evil thing. It's not. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. It is a way of defining ourselves. Uh, we, we have egos. We need healthy egos, and we need a healthy country with healthy boundaries and borders in order to define ourselves. You know, what do you think you are? Do you think you're a Canadian? No. Do you think you're Chinese? No. When you first think of yourself in the morning, do you get out of bed and say, oh, geez, I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Jew, or I'm a Hindu, or I'm a Buddhist? No, you get out of bed and say, hey, I'm an American. And that's the way it should be. Our first connection after family and friends should be to our community, and our community is the United States. Well, guess what weekend this is? This is Labor Day weekend. And now Labor Day is a celebration of the working stiff. This was started by labor unions in the 1870s and 80s. They started talking about a day to honor the people who do the 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 uh, hourly jobs and are paid by the hour, the wage earners. And uh, I think this is a good thing. It, it recognizes a segment of society that is the overwhelming majority of society and it's the everyday working stiff. And without that, nothing would run. Now, it was first celebrated as a state holiday, I believe in Oregon around the turn of the last century, and it grew into a national holiday. And so we celebrate this on the uh, first, I believe it's the first Monday of every September. And the Canadians have the same holiday. Now, the the uh, communist Europeans in Europe, they changed their 
Labor Day to May Day, and that was a big deal for them back in in the uh, era of the Soviet Union. But that's that's probably passed by now. And now we have essentially an international holiday that was started right here in the good old USA. It was the trade unions and the labor movement that that pushed for it. And uh, it became an official federal holiday in 1894. And that was at the 30 states were presently in the union. And Canada's Labor Day is the same, same time. There are more than 80 countries that celebrate International Workers' Day on May 1st, but of course this is changing around the world as well. And this grew out of the trade union and labor movement uh, in the 19th century and early 20th century, and it became extremely strong. And by the way, I heard this guy from the New York Times who's written this book say that uh, the attitude towards labor unions is growing more in positive than negative and that more than 50% of people uh, want to join a labor union now. I don't believe that. I think that that's more uh, fake press or that is a poll taken by the New York Times of their readers and not of the, the uh, population at large. But nevertheless, I'm not going to denigrate the good that the labor unions have done. And I certainly uh, have nothing but respect and praise for the, the, the workers and the worker bees in our country. And I have uh, a number of hourly employees and I celebrate their, their presence, their success. I'm grateful for them. Uh, I'm grateful for the efforts that they make and uh, also appreciate the the great tasks they have before them in trying to make ends meet. Uh, now they're doing better and things are overall doing well. And uh, one of my employees, her boyfriend, drives a truck for the uh, city sanitation department. And between them, they have a pretty good income and a, and a decent lifestyle. Uh, we have other people in the office who are younger, one still living at home with her parents. Uh, we have people who are older and are getting close to retirement, and they are at that Social Security age, so their their needs are dropping a little bit. But all in all, they depend upon the hourly wage that they receive, and that depends upon their putting in that work day, that that fair hourly work for a fair hour, hourly wage, and, and this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating their, uh, their benefits as well as their assets and their contribution to the United States and to what we have and what we have produced. Now, on Labor Day weekend, a lot of things start to happen. You know, school begins again, or if it hadn't already started, the NCAA kicks off their football season. The NFL starts their football season in the United States. The Southern 500 NASCAR race is going on on Labor Day in Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. In Indianapolis uh, International Racing Park, the National Hot Rod Association holds their finals. And as you all know, the U.S. Tennis Championship is being held in Flushing Meadows, New York. And the finals will be, I think, today or tomorrow. In fashion on Labor Day, uh, it was considered acceptable to wear white or seersucker. And then after Labor Day, you're not supposed to wear white or seersucker anymore. 
but I break that rule living in Florida because it's so hot down here. There are Labor Day carnivals and fireworks over Coney Island. Uh, a lot of d districts and jurisdictions celebrated in different ways. There are tons of sales going on, big discounts and allowances for Labor Day sales, which have been touted for the past two or three weeks. So if you need a new car or a new mattress or uh, a new appliance, this may be the weekend to go shopping. Uh, there's tons of activities to do. There's a lot of uh, outdoor activities. The parks will be full. Now, as far as this hurricane goes in Florida, it looks like Tampa Bay is going to dodge the bullet. We were sitting in the lunchroom, as I was telling Joe before the show, earlier in the week, and the guys, they looked at me and think that I, I'm some kind of a, of a, a, a knowledgeable fellow because I have a radio show and I study for it every week. And they said, what do you think, Doc? What do you think, Bill? And I said, I don't know. There's a big high pressure system sitting over the United States. High pressure is colder, denser air and hurricanes are warmer, lighter air. They've got a lot of water in them. Waters are lighter molecule than oxygen or nitrogen or carbon dioxide. And so, uh, they tend to bump up against a high front and move away from it, kind of like a, a billiard ball slowly hitting the side of the, of the, of the pool table. Uh, and they bounce off and careen a little bit. And so this high pressure cell actually held together. I, I didn't think it would hold together. It has moved down into the middle of the Florida Peninsula, and it's kind of bumped this hurricane a little bit north and a little bit east, and it looks like we're going to dodge the bullet. But that still does not uh, give us a pass on being prepared for the hurricane. So as the week winds on and the hurricane approaches, I want everybody to think about safety. Remember the first and most important thing is going to be water and then electricity or power of some kind so you can cook and uh, so that you can take a shower or bathe because we don't want no stinky people running around town. And so if you like a hot shower, you're going to need some electricity. Uh, if you want to have some lights at night, if you want to keep your refrigerator going, you're going to need the minimum of a, a small generator. Or if you're inventive, you can probably get a cooler and put some ice in it. Uh, a lot of people are going out and getting bags full of sand to sandbag around their doorways. Uh, those of us who live on the water with docks, we have to be concerned about our docks being torn up by the storm surges. And a good idea that my next door neighbor had, and we're going to go out and do this as well, is to just go buy bags of salt. Go get some salt from uh, Walmart or Home Depot or Sam's Club or Lowe's. You can get the the finely ground salt for the pool salt, or you can get the coarse ground salt for your water softeners. They're exactly the same. It's just that the coarse ground salt is a little slower to dissolve, uh, which is what you need for your, your uh, water softener, whereas the fine ground for the pool dissolves rapidly, which is what you want in your pool. Now, it doesn't really matter, and you can use the coarse ground salt in your pool. It's just going to take a little longer to dissolve. So if you need some bags to hold down your dock or to hold something in place, instead of going out and trying to bag up sand on your own, go buy some bags of salt. 
and throw them on whatever it is you're concerned about. Get that trampoline down, flip it over in the backyard and throw a bunch of bags of salt on it. And you can use the salt in your in your water softener or you can use it in your swimming pool if you have a, a salt uh, chlorinator. So that's a little trick uh, that I've learned. Another way that you can uh, make sure that you have enough fresh water is when the storm is coming but has not hit yet, fill your bathtub up with, with water from the tap in the bathtub. Uh, if you're concerned about it being dirty, you can always add a, a cap full of chlorine to it, of uh, Clorox, and that'll make it even more antiseptic, even though it's already got chlorine in it and it's not going to grow anything on it unless it sits there for a year or two and the chlorine evaporates. But that's another thing you can do. And if you're really paranoid, you can always put a little saran wrap over the top of it. I have to be careful with my wife because she'll jump in it and take a bath and then I won't have any drinking water. Now, of course, the least important thing for most people, but a major for, for Dr. Bill is you got to have some beer on hand too. You need a little beer to rinse away all the other sins of the day. And so that's important. Make sure that you have food that is not perishable, uh, dried fruits and nuts and uh, peanut butter. Uh, you can get all kinds of food stuff, dry cereal. You can munch on that. I love to munch on, on Fruit Loops when I don't have anything else around. They're good. They're, they're, they've got plenty of calories. You don't have to have milk to, to enjoy it. Uh, there's a, a lot of different ways you can skin the cat when it comes to supplying yourself with food. If you like canned fruits and vegetables, you can get those, and they'll keep for a long time. Make sure you double bag everything once you open it so that it lasts a little bit longer. Remember that nuts, almonds, and walnuts and pecans, they last forever. They have a lot of uh, nutritive value. Uh, raisins last forever. You can get dried cereals like oatmeal that you can easily cook. And if you get the pre-cooked oatmeal in the packages, even if you don't have power, if you just put some water in it and let it sit for 30 to 60 minutes, it'll sop up the, the water. It'll be just like you cooked it, only it'll be cold. You can use that. That's another way to have something to eat. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Make sure that you make sure that you get all of your pool uh, uh, furniture up and out of the out of the pool area and inside where it won't blow all over the place. Plants, bring them indoors. Anything that could blow away, get it inside. A lot of people like to board up. Uh, if you can afford at some point to replace your windows with stormproof impact windows, do that. People say, is there a difference between the regular windows and the impact windows, you bet your blue booties there are, guys. Listen, I just redid, recalked, and reworked a lot of our windows in our house, and it is a, it's a job lifting those suckers out. They are heavy. The, the glass is extremely thick. It's double pane, and they weigh a good deal. Uh, you know, you can go to the Home Depot and find a, a single-pane cheapo window, and you can pick it up with one hand. You're going to need two hands just to pick up one side, one pane of a sliding glass impact resistant window. So if you can afford to change your windows, think about that in the off season here and get yourself uh, up to snuff when it comes to code and safety. That's all I'm going to say about the hurricane. Uh, evacuate if you need to listen to your radio, be good boys and girls and, uh, 
look both ways before you cross the street. Be safe. That's the most important. And get out of town if it looks like it's going to be bad. Although, I got to tell you, everybody I know who left town, the storms have followed them. One guy went to Orlando. The storm went to Orlando. Another guy went to Atlanta. The storm went to Atlanta. Oh, boy. There's no guarantee, is there, now? It's been great being with you guys. I love you. Joe, you got it, man. I'm out of here. And we say to our new man, Ken, welcome aboard. Love everybody. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.